Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. Thanks for joining us. Today we are talking about breaking free with grace. And since Lent is coming up, uh, we can say we're breaking free with grace for Lent. And I've been doing a mini-series on the importance of grace in any effort you have to change your life, to improve your life, and to get rid of unwanted addiction and habits in your life. And I I picked uh, pornography habits and addiction because, in my experience, trying to help folks get free of this stuff, this is one of the toughest things to break. In fact, when I was a Protestant pastor, I had an international drug dealer uh, come to my church, and he looked actually quite normal. <laughs> I had no idea at the time uh, he was an international drug dealer, had a conversion experience, and we were, you know, going happily along as part of my congregation. And then in one Sunday sermon, I just happened to mention that you need to be really careful about pornography because it can be as an addictive as drugs. And lo and behold, this man, who's now my friend, former international drug dealer, came in and told me, he said, Steve, I've done just about every drug, illegal drug that's known, all of them. And yet, I, and I've gotten over my habit with all of those things, but even harder to get over is my habit with pornography. And the reason my friend had that struggle, and the reason why this is such a tough struggle is because viewing pornography releases neurological chemicals, chemicals in the brain that leave an imprint. And pornographers are very sly. They're aware of how the brain works. And just to give you an example of their deviousness, for instance, they might show a picture of a girl without her clothes on, and then she's sitting on a car while holding a football. Well, why is that? Well, okay, the brain's focusing on her unclothed body. But in addition, a lot of guys have a part of their brain where they really like cars and they also really like sports. And what that does is just expand that chemical imprints to a larger part of the brain, thereby hooking someone on pornography simply in a very similar fashion, the way that drugs work in a brain. And the other part of what makes pornography so difficult is that any person who has had serious trauma or abuse in their life, and a lot of people have, and they basically kind of stuff it inside, so to speak, but there's kind of a a persistent, maybe low-grade, maybe high-grade psychological pain. Now, what happens when you take drugs What happens when you overdo with alcohol and what happens, these are all similar, uh, same thing, uh, gambling, same thing with pornography. All of those actions release neurochemicals that acts like a psychological aspirin, 
for those psychological hurts from abuse and different types of trauma. And it does provide relief. It's very temporary. And when the relief wears over in a short time, you're worse off, you're more depressed and perhaps hurting than you were before, but it creates an addictive cycle. That's why anyone, everyone should stay away from pornography, really, because you're just asking for it. It's like taking fentanyl, but except it's, it's visual. But if you've suffered abuse or trauma in your life, you're just playing with fire that's going to burn you. So any case, uh, I have written a couple of booklets that seem to have helped a lot of guys. The first one simply entitled Breaking Free. It's kind of part of the title here for this, this episode today. And it has 12 simple steps in the book uh, booklet to get going as far as beating an addiction to pornography. And then the last part of the book are a number of scriptures that can be used to meditate on. Some of the scriptures are what I call kick-in-the-pants scriptures to, to kind of get going on the journey. Others are assurances of salvation because with a pornography habit comes shame and you think God can't love me and he can and he can forgive you. So you have scriptures for that and encouragements, this type of thing. Now, those, uh, I wrote a second booklet entitled Young Men Breaking Free. Our theological advisor, a wonderful priest, Father Dennis Cooney, who's now passed away, but he encouraged me to write one for young men specifically too. So we have Breaking Free and Young Men Breaking Free. But when I wrote the first booklet, it was over 20 years ago, most of the Catholic uh, pornography freedom programs were not in existence, and I underestimated the extent of the grace deficit in many of these recovery programs, a serious grace deficit. I hate to see people get hurt. I I want to see people uh, get free of things that harm them, and pornography is certain one of them, but so I, w- I would have rewritten that booklet given today's recovery programs, and that's why I'm doing this episode, last week's episode and next week's episode, all on grace, and I think I would have rewritten, and I have two sections of that booklet right now. I'd have a third section just on grace. So episodes of Faith and Family, 472, 473, and 474 are your power supplements to the Breaking Free booklets. And and some men have, I didn't think it would do it personally, but some men have broken free from a pornography habit just through these little booklets. But I want to go back to a scripture we focused on last episode that's so powerful that speaks to the deficit, which in recovery programs, emphasizing all the things you need to do, and there are things you need to do. There are 12 steps in my booklet, okay, but not focusing on the necessity and the primacy of grace in order to do those steps. And Colossians chapter 2, St. Paul says this, starting in verse 18, let no one disqualify you insisting on self-abasement. It's kind of like you want to run a race and you're somehow disqualified before you even get started. Why what? 
You're not holding fast from the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together, grows with a growth that is from God. So here's the question. What is the ultimate source? What's the ultimate power? What's the ultimate motivation for your growth? Is it from God or from yourself? And these are actually two different religions. Even though you're a Christian, you could be practicing as a non-Christian if the source of your growth is internal. And people who are just giving a lot of stuff for you to do to get rid of a pornography addiction and don't mention and emphasize the grace of God, you're, you're basically trying to grow without Christ. And St. Paul goes on, why do you submit to regulations? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. And then verse 23 of Colossians 2, these indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting rigor and devotion and self-abasement and severity to the body, but they are of no value in checking the indulgence of the flesh. And there are some self-powered, self-abasement, Catholic and Protestant and secular recovery programs that are focusing on what you do almost divorced from the power of Christ. And what St. Paul is saying, they have an appearance, they, they look like they're a wise thing to do, but they are of no value. This is what the Catholic Commentary on Holy Scripture says about the verses I just mentioned. Paul is saying that apart from Christ, aesthetic rigors have no value in themselves for checking the human inclination to sin. Since they can leave pride or even its increase intact, the practitioners are acting as if they can get right with God through their own activities, turning religious practice into a kind of idolatry. I have another commentary I like. It's called the Life Application Commentary. It's an evangelical commentary, so I need to filter it a bit. But application is what's lacking in so many commentaries. It says this, the discipline demanded by the false teachers seemed good. Actually, forms of legalism, this is what this is, legalism is trying to do it yourself to live the Christian life, still attract many people today. Following a long list of religious rules requires strong devotion and severe bodily discipline, but all this piety and asceticism was worthless. No amount of religious rules can change a person's heart. They are of no value in conquering a person's evil thoughts and desires. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. I would take this even a step further, and this is what's motiv motivating me to put these three uh, episodes together of faith and family, is that they are not only of no value, they have negative value. In other words, it just doesn't leave you unchanged. It can make you worse. You can end up, not maybe immediately, but after you get done with a couple of rounds or two or three rounds, you get discouraged, you're left alone, you can actually end up in a worse situation. And this is what St. Paul repeats 
over and again in Romans chapter 7, and it's worth reading Romans chapter 7 if you're in one of these uh, self-focused, self-abasement type recovery groups. St. Paul says in Romans 7, 5, while we were living in the flesh, and by that he means just your unaided human condition, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. So in other words, leave out grace and take the law, take uh, the moral instructions. You're, you're, it's a very sincere effort to, to be better, but what's at work when you do it in that manner, it's not fruit for righteousness, but fruit for death. And then St. Paul goes on in verse 15. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. And there's a real, this is, this is, this is spiritual warfare is not only getting people to do the wrong thing, but people who are wanting to do the right thing in the wrong way, he can get you all tangled up. So the question remains, how in the world are Christians supposed to do the right thing without the law, without the, this self-abasement, self-effort in attempting to fulfill the moral demands of Christianity? And the answer is very simple, and I can't, there's no way to emphasize it enough, but it's the Holy Spirit. The Ignatius Catholic Study Bible says, without grace, asceticism cannot restrain the selfish urges of our fallen nature. This is possible only through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this why this is why St. Paul, if you read Romans 7, it's very depressing, but we need to read it because this is a a seemingly wise, good path. I say there's good people recommending this type of stuff, these self-abasement programs, but not realizing that in the long run, it's bringing harm. So any case, from Romans 7, you turn the page to Romans 8, and it starts getting a whole lot better. It says, for God has done what the law and the self-effort weakened by the flesh could not do, sending his own son. See, the secret to Christianity is Jesus Christ. It's not you. It's not the little train that could inside. He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. In other words, focusing and receiving and living in the power of the Holy Spirit is the way to overcome things that seemingly are humanly impossible to do. And he goes on, St. Paul in Romans 8, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are on the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh. You are in the spirit. This is why you are baptized. This is why we have confirmation. This is why we have the blessed Eucharist, sources of grace, as well as confession for us. My faculty advisor, Dr. Gordon Fee, who just passed away a couple of years ago, 
said this, rules are easily regulated and easily performed without the need of the spirits empowering, but they are not life-changing. They are powerless in the face of today's culture. And kind of underlying this too, to me, the greatest challenge of the 21st century for families is keeping children in the faith despite having a culture that seems intent on going into full-blown apostasy. And in order to survive in today's world, families, especially your growing children and young adults, need the Holy Spirit because the challenges, the moral challenges, aren't going to be faced and successfully opposed with self-effort, self-abasement, these programs that focus on doing a lot of good things without a focus on the grace that comes into our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, the practical advice for this, to me, comes from a great passage in St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And it's chapter 5, verses 15, 16, 17, and 18. And those who especially are trying to help men and young men in this area, this might be a passage worth considering. St. Paul goes, look carefully then how you walk. In other words, this is your whole course of life. Not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. So what is the will of the Lord? Ephesians 5 and verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And that tense, that last phrase, be filled with the Spirit, is a present active sense. So it's like, be continually filled with the Spirit. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to step on some toes rather directly. Something absolutely puzzles my mind. It really does puzzle my mind in that, okay, we're going to start a a men's ministry at the parish. Well, that's good. And any men's ministry worth their salt today that's not a little boys club, is going to have to deal with pornography addiction straight up and help others. But it's like, be sure to bring your six-pack of beer to the men's group. Now, don't get me I'm not a teetotaler. I enjoy a beer or a glass of wine, but everything for men seems to be focused around booze. I just can't understand it. What is the big deal? I mean, I can have a beer and watch a football game at home. I don't need to come down to Paris to do that. I come down to Paris to get some other kind of dynamic going in my life. And a lot of us facing what's going on in the world need more of the Holy Spirit. And so what are people doing trying to get joy? And you can get enjoyment. I'm not anti-booze. I'm not a teetotaler. But why in the world would that be a focus of a ministry group when— you should be 
I mean, the need, all these scriptures I've given you, and I can give you a ton more, the need is the Holy Spirit. Because without that, you're going to fail, your kids are going to fail, and the secular culture is going to overwhelm you. And it's happening left, right, and center. So be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. So rather than having... and. I'll just say it again. Bring your six-pack to the men's group. Instead, why don't you call up somebody from Renewal Ministry and says, we need somebody down here to talk to us about the Holy Spirit because the booze isn't helping men get off of pornography. The booze isn't helping them get a moral life when they're traveling for business and all the temptations that that's involved. How do we get the Holy Spirit? Or maybe call somebody and say, hey, I've heard of something called Crisio retreats, and they particularly like to get men in there first. Let's get them in here and start talking to us about that rather than booze. Do you get what I mean? There's nothing wrong with booze, but what in the world is that a focus for Catholic ministry? I just can't get it. I really can't get it because the need today is so acute and we're not talking about the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to get really radical. Maybe even get somebody in your parish who has one of the charismatic gifts. Now I realize that Some people, Catholic and Protestant, who think somebody who might speak in tongues has something like Ebola. I mean, wow, that's one thing you don't want to get. And yet St. Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. And then he said, now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Hey, I don't care if they speak in tongues, they don't speak in tongues, but you better get somebody who knows that the Holy Spirit is infinitely more important today, today, for Catholic men than booze. And you can do all the booze you want apart, but get the Holy Spirit in an alive, real, experiential way. You don't want some doctrine. Yeah, I believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What's that? What's that? Is, it, is he in your life? Is he operating in your recovery group? Is the Holy Spirit front and center? This is how you live as a Catholic in a pagan culture, and that's what we're in. And a lot of people are saying, well, you know, I just don't understand. And men are dropping like flies. Young men are dropping like flies. College students are dropping like flies. So again, get somebody who knows what they're talking about because the guy who tells you just to bring your six pack to a men's group probably is missing a little something like Ephesians 5.18. Get that going. Get the power and renewal of the Holy Spirit going, and then something will really start to happen. In fact, As the Holy Spirit, in a fresh way, begins pouring the love of God, and that's what St. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, is that the Holy Spirit has poured God's love in our hearts. St. Augustine wrote a whole lot of stuff, and he quoted, I can't tell you how many scriptures, but there's no scriptures that he quoted more often than the one I just told you about in Romans 5, about God's love coming into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Now, if you want to get on the road to recovery, you start with this. Just hear this. 
Don't go in even my 12 steps in the Breaking Free book. Let's start with the grace of God. Start with the power of the Holy Spirit. Start with the love of God. Then you can go down the road of recovery. You can find life transformation. This is what it's all about. And how do you get the Holy Spirit? It's real clear. You go to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Jesus simply said, ask, seek, knock. You don't have to do self-abasement because he says, what father who gives good gifts to your children wouldn't give the heavenly father, wouldn't give the Holy Spirit to you? The Holy Spirit is the good gifts. If your child comes to you at night and said, daddy, you know, I need a glass of water. You don't start screaming at your kid and say, get out of here. No, you give them a glass of water. It's just the same thing. No striving. You go to your heavenly father. I'm a dad. I need recovery. I need the Holy Spirit. You simply ask. And for that, you get on a road to recovery. So again, I've written some great booklets on breaking free, young men breaking free and breaking free. And during Lent, we're offering to parishes, I don't know what it is, 75, 90% off or whatever. It's a buck a booklet. It's, it's a big discount. And if you buy a lot of 25, just email us at askthehost at gmail.com, askthehost at gmail.com. And uh, we'll tell you, just pay the shipping and a buck a booklet. And it's a great tool to give out. But if any priests are giving these out, a lot of them. We've distributed about 150,000 of these. But I would ask, just have them go to your whatever podcast, uh, audio cast, uh, favorite place you do, and just get these episodes, 472, 473, and 474. Because if you get grace right, then all the other recovery steps will just be downhill compared to crossing the big one getting from self-effort, which is a, actually a religious pride, to depending on your Heavenly Father to give you the good gift of the Holy Spirit to transform your life so that you can actually live as a child of God. Ask, seek, and knock. It's the Holy Spirit, not alcohol spirits, that are going to change men's lives. If I've offended you this broadcast, Maybe you needed to hear it. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 473 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org.